Good afternoon and welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll have details on this morning's USDA production report. Also, conservative egg critic John Barlow will stop by for a chat. And up first in today's country comment, federal egg minister Marie-Claude Bebo will talk about today being the fourth annual Canada's Agriculture Day. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 90 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon, you're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Today marks the fourth annual Canada's Agriculture Day. I got the details from Federal Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Bebo. Well, it's all about uh, thanking our farmers uh, for the hard work they do. Uh, I think it's important to, you know, take this moment to just appreciate how hard they work and uh, how they care for our environment, how they care for the animals, and we should be uh, proud of them. And tell us a little bit about, uh, I guess, what will be happening today, uh, some of the events planned. So uh, there will be hundreds of events all across Canada. I will be participating in some of them in Ottawa. Uh, And uh, one of uh, the events that I really look forward to is to meet with uh, young farmers. Uh, and students in agriculture. For me, it's uh, something that is very important to make sure that the new generation is uh, excited and ambitious about their future. And uh, for me, as Minister of Agriculture, the first woman uh, in this position, I want to be sure that I take the time to listen to them and to develop a vision for the future that um, suits their aspirations and that they, they feel they are listened to and that we design uh, the future of the industry, uh, you know, taking into consideration their uh, concerns and ambitions. Now, the uh, theme this year um, is strengthening the relationship between consumers and producers. Uh, can you just talk a little bit about that? Uh, yes, and actually, it's uh, very well. Um, it's very well aligned with uh, the direction that we are giving to um, the the food policy. You know that under the food policy, we have a component. Uh, by Canadians, and this is exactly what we want to do. We want to make sure that Canadians uh, know and understand uh, where their food comes from, how it's, how it's done, <laughs> and uh, that uh, they, we, we build and we reinforce the, the pride and the trust between consumers and producers in Canada. That was Federal Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Bebo talking about today being the fourth annual Canada's Agriculture Day. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon, I'm Corey Canute. The province is launching a three-year project to help reduce wildlife predation of cattle and sheep herds. Carson Callum is General Manager of Manitoba Beef Producers. We're really encouraged by this announcement. Predation losses uh, for livestock, especially in areas where there's a large concentration of of predators, is is a big issue uh, for many of our members. So we're happy to see this announcement. The Manitoba government will provide a grant of up to $300,000 over three years for the Livestock Predation Prevention Project. And today is Canada's Agriculture Day. Marty Seymour with Farm Credit Canada talked about the importance of the event. From the farming level all the way through the food processing, there's some good stories to share in our industry. And so we've encouraged the industry to stand up, speak proud on February 11th and tell our story. So there will be events across the Canada. I think at last count, we have well over 100 different activities uh, taking place in various communities uh, with an anchor event in Ottawa under a conference. Uh, it's talking about the future of food. 
But most importantly, it's a social media day where uh, we just want the industry to stand proud, tell our story, and celebrate Canadian food. This year's celebration focuses on strengthening the relationship between consumers and producers. That was a look at today's Farm News. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire for Tuesday, February 11th. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, we'll hear from federal conservative egg critic John Barlow. And uh, first, we'll be joined by Manitoba pork producer Highlight. The continued spread of the coronavirus will not have a significant impact on High Life exports at this point in time. The major Manitoba pork producer has strong attachments to markets in China where the virus originated. Golden West Kenton Dick chatted with High Life spokesperson Kevin Geisheimer. Business is as usual at High Life. Uh, we are obviously taking the coronavirus very serious and have uh, currently suspended travel to and from China. So employees in Manitoba, North America won't be traveling to China, but also our employees in China will be traveling out here. Uh, so currently um, we, we, are, we are doing this uh, because of the safety and health is very important to our employees here at High Life. We want to make sure that all our employees are protected and supported and, uh, and they have that backing from High Life. Other than that, everything is uh, going as normal right now? Right now, yes. Like this, this is only came into place on Friday, uh, where we've suspended travel for our employees. And right now, all of our shipments of, of pork are moving into China like usual, so that hasn't changed. And so I guess time will tell if further impacts will happen to us here at High Life. That was High Life spokesperson Kevin Geisheimer chatting with Golden West's Kenton Dick. It's been a couple of weeks since MPs returned to Ottawa. Today being Agriculture Day here in Canada, Glenda Lee Allen Vossler catches up with John Barlow, the Conservative Shadow Minister for Agriculture and Agri-Food. How important do you see Canada's Agriculture Day as being? You know, Agriculture Day is such a special day for, for Canadians. Uh, it's an opportunity for us to celebrate, you know, our hardworking farm families to do everything they possibly can. Uh, to to put food on our table, but certainly uh, to feed the world. And I I think this is a great opportunity um, for Canadians, especially those in urban centres, to reconnect with their rural roots. Um, Go out and visit a farm. um, Ask them, you know, what they do, how they do it, why they do it, and hopefully have a better understanding why uh, Canadian agriculture is the envy of the world. Um, We do it better than anyone else on on earth. Um, You know, we, I don't, you know, by definition, agriculture is sustainable. I don't know any producer out there who um, does not take the utmost care uh, for their soil, uh, the water, and certainly their livestock. This is their livelihood, and I think it's important that uh, that we that we do something to uh, reconnect uh, urban versus rural, and uh, for Canadians to understand that uh, where their food comes from, and uh, these families who work so hard uh, to produce the best food in the world. Now, of course, let's get into some of the issues. You've been back in the House for a couple of weeks, and you're concerned that the federal Liberal government is ignoring evidence when it comes to looking at exempting farmers from the carbon tax. Yeah, we we kind of knew anecdotally what the costs were uh, to agriculture, specifically, um, you know, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Alberta, some Ontario with uh, grain drying, specifically with uh, a very difficult uh, um, 
fall in the harvest. Uh, but now we've seen some of these agricultural groups like Cape Pass and Saskatchewan, Cap in Manitoba, who have come forward with some definitive numbers, uh, which show um, anecdotal, or not anecdotally, but uh, in factually, what uh, the cost of this carbon tax is to farming and agriculture. And it, it is, uh, like we expected, it is uh, devastating. So what do you want to see? Our first choice would be to scrap the carbon tax altogether. Um, you know, this is not um, an environment policy. This is a, a revenue-generating policy for the Liberal government. Um, but it's clear they're not uh, willing to, to go that far. So our request um, is to exempt agriculture uh, from the carbon tax, at least uh, expand the exemptions to all farm fuels, including natural gas and propane. Uh, this will impact, you know, their grain drying, um, heating barns, those types of things, and give back the money that they've already taken. Uh, this is uh, proving to be extremely costly uh, to farming and, and ranching and, and the processing side of agriculture. They can't afford it. This is money uh, they don't have. Um, and we've seen that, you know, this is costing the average grain farmer in Saskatchewan anywhere between ten and $13,000. Uh, that will go up, you know, substantially in two years when the carbon tax goes to $50 a tonne. And uh, as we've seen from uh, from APAS and President Todd Lewis, uh, this is like taking 12% of your revenue and it just disappearing. Uh, farming can't afford that. Some people in the, in the ag sector feel like they're really taking the hit here, whether you're talking carbon yeah. tax or or trade and markets. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, you know, it seems that no one is in the Liberal government is, is taking, you know, any concern of what's going on with agriculture. But it, it's been, you know, one punch to the gut after another. Uh, we've seen the numbers now. It's it's uh, more than $3 billion uh, lost trade markets have cost Canadian agriculture. That's, you know, canola to China, peas and pulses uh, and to, uh, to India, also soybeans, we've seen uh, markets uh, hurt with that, China included. Uh, now the carbon tax, uh, you know, a, a grain backlog two years ago, then a CN strike this fall. It's just it's just one hit after another, and there's only so much that agriculture can take. You know, we've heard from the, the Liberal government, you know, there's great potential in agriculture. We want to see that $75 billion in exports by 2025. How do you possibly expect Canadian farmers and ranchers to do that if you have taken away every tool that they have to be successful. The carbon tax is bankrupting Canadian agriculture. Um, you know, for the, to expect them to remain a key pillar of our economy uh, while you kick their legs out from under them uh, is, is laughable. John Barlow is Shadow Minister of Agriculture and Agri-Food for the Conservatives. For Golden West Radio, I'm Glendalee allen Mossler. Thanks, Glendalee. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email to thefarmdesk at goldenwestradio.com. On behalf of Glendalee allen Mossler, I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. The Crop Connect Conference takes place February 12th and 13th at Winnipeg's Victoria Inn. This will include a general meeting for all eight participating crop organizations. February 20th is Steinbach Crop Day, taking place at the Pat Porter Active Living Centre. The cost is $10 per person, and Marmac Farms is hosting a bull sale March 11th. You can find out more at marmacfarms.net. You're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Coming up in the next half hour, we'll have details on this morning's USDA production report. We'll also have another look at our farm news for today. Right now, it's 1 o'clock. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Tuesday afternoon. 
The USDA released its February WASDE report this morning. I got the details from Dan Bossy, president of Ag Resource Company in Chicago. Well, the uh, USDA, or as we call it, WASDE, was very conservative in their estimates about Chinese uh, phase one agreement. Uh, they increased uh, the soybean exports globally by 3 million metric tons in old crop position. About half of that came to the U.S., 50 million bushels. And then they increased world uh, wheat trade by 800,000 tons, uh, 4 million metric tons was the final total there, uh, of which 25 million bushels was increased in the U.S. Nothing on corn, uh, Corey. So uh, they actually cut corn exports, uh, kept U.S. and world corn exports to China the same. So as we step back from it, the market sure didn't like it. We're a little bit lower trading right now. But overall, uh, there was not much in the report. We really need to get to next week's uh, USDA uh, WASDE numbers. We come out with new crop numbers at the Outlook Forum, which will be held in Washington, D.C. on February 21st. That will be a more important report than what we saw today and something for your uh, Canadian listeners at least to pay attention to. Can you talk about uh, what impact, if any, this had on the markets? Yeah, the markets uh, are, are very limited. Corn's down a penny. Soybeans are unchanged. Wheat's down five to seven. Uh, we saw more selling in wheat from the funds as they're quite long. But in terms of the corn and bean markets, not much of a reaction at all. So we're still kind of chopping around here in Chicago. Uh, we did see a Brazilian soybean crop that the USDA put at 125 million metric tons, corn at 101 million metric tons. So we do have some big South American crops being made. Uh, harvest is underway in Brazil. That's something that will weigh in the markets, assuming we have normal uh, northern hemisphere weather. By that I'm saying here in the U.S., Canada, and Europe, you know, getting crops in the ground in April and May. Dan, are, are we still uh, seeing some corn come off the field here, or is that shut down for the for the most part? No, there's still maybe as much as 170 million bushels of corn in uh, places that I can like the Dakotas that have yet to be harvested. The uh, USDA will resurvey those acres in April once the uh, combines are able to get at it. There's a fair amount of snow there right now, so it's going to be a little bit difficult. Uh, but that's something the market can think about. But again, I don't think uh, with the sheer size of what's going on in Brazil and Argentina that those fewer acres that are left to be harvested is going to be all that meaningful. Uh, Argentina is still out today uh, offering corn about 12 to 20 cents below the U.S. Gulf. So with that kind of aggressive sales as the peso sitting at 61 to 1, it's going to be tough to really rally Chicago too far. All right. Final thoughts here, Dan? Well, we're all waiting for the Chinese. It's, a, it's, it's now a Chinese waiting game here in the U.S. We have this phase one agreement. Uh, the, the, uh, the, the agreement was signed on the 15th of January. There's a 30-day period to implement that agreement. That means February 15th, which is this weekend. So next week we'll really start to see if the Chinese have any intentions of buying U.S. grains or ag products. It'll be very important to the markets. Uh, there may be a little bit of flexibility due to coronavirus, but overall the traders here want to see, taste, and feel the Chinese demand before they get too rambunctious on the long side of the market. That was Dan Bossy, president of Ag Resource Company in Chicago. He was talking about the USDA reports released this morning. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. The USDA released multiple reports this morning. Dan Bossy is president of Ag Resource Company in Chicago. Well, the uh, USDA, or as we call it, WASDE, was very conservative in their estimates about Chinese uh, phase one agreement. Uh, they increased uh, the soybean exports globally by 3 million metric tons in old crop position. About half of that came to the U.S., 50 million bushels. 
And then they increased world uh, wheat trade by 800,000 tons, uh, 4 million metric tons was the final total there, uh, of which 25 million bushels was increased in the U.S. Nothing on corn. They actually cut corn exports, uh, kept U.S. and world corn exports to China the same. Bossy says overall there wasn't a whole bunch in the report. And Manitoba Beef Producers is one of many groups involved in the recently announced Livestock Predation Protection Working Group. Here's MBP General Manager Carson Callum. It's really a multidisciplinary approach. So we have various groups at the table, and we're just trying to build the capacity at a, a community level to really reduce wildlife and livestock conflicts. So we're trying to develop over the course of three years uh, a more long-term strategy to mitigate some of these losses and protect animal welfare on farm, and also just to not really detriment the, the natural ecosystem on the landscape either, right? Because wildlife are still a key component in, in that habitat, so we just need to try to figure out different strategies to try to mitigate the losses as opposed to just wiping out any of those predators on the ecosystem, which would not be a good thing. The province will provide a grant of up to $300,000 over three years for the Livestock Predation Prevention Project. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwestradio.com. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up on 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we'll have details from the Crop Connect Conference taking place in Winnipeg. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.